0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Witty Chatterbot Show. If you're new to the show, a warm welcome to you. I am Carmen Murray, your host, and we are coming live from Brand Live Studios, 27 boxes in the Bohemian city of Malville. Now, the Witty Chatterbot Show, Women in Tech Empowering Everyone, aims to empower you by interviewing a wide range of remarkable and thought-provoking guests to discover as we navigate through the constant change around us. We will explore topics on business, technology, innovation and marketing and give you bite-sized insights that can help propel forward um, your business and to embrace the entrepreneurial culture. Now, today we have Elizabeth de Stadler in the house. She um, She is actually remotely tuning in via Skype and she is a disruptive force of nature in privacy law and gives a fresh perspective to compliance issues. What I love about Elizabeth is that she takes complex law and puts it in plain language. And I think there's no better gift than, than that. And she's also the founding director of Novation Consulting, which is a quirky company that specializes in all things consumer law. And she also does um, designing and delivering of training. But more importantly, she also um, is the chairperson of the Regulatory Affair Council for the IBSA. So, Elizabeth, warm welcome to you.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. Yeah, no, well, at least I hope you can feel it's a warm welcome because it's very, very chilly um, because you guys have sent us the weather with your snow. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's let's um, take the bull by the horn. So the whole world is talking about GDPR and we see the digital universe flame up with debates around mm-hmm. GDPR. But the reality is it's... Heading home because of um, the Protection of Personal Personal Information Act. Now, now I would like for us to maybe um, put everything in perspective and give an update of where we stand. So, Papia is not a force yet. So, where do we stand? Um, so the information regulator
1: has been appointed. Um, actually, she's been in that office for about a year now. It's yeah. Advocate Pansy Klakula, and she's also got uh, five uh, other panelists that have been appointed on a part-time basis. Um, and, and they've been fairly vocal. Actually, um, you would have seen that they they demanded some answers from Facebook because there were some South Africans in the in the Cambridge Analytica breach. Oh, yes. Yeah, they summoned the CEO of Liberty to come and answer questions what? about that breach. Um, sure. so, so they've been fairly active, and the reason why they can do that is because of Section 14 of the Constitution that gives all South Africans a right to privacy. So the fact that Poppy isn't in effect yet doesn't stop them from doing stuff. Um, wow. The, we're about, best guess, 20 months, I think, away from the act being in full force uh, at the moment. Uh, the holdup is that uh, they're having a bit of a difference of opinion with Treasury, some very technical stuff that even I can't translate into plain language, <laughs> but, but essentially Treasury won't show them the money. Um, so so they're they, they, they aiming to be fully operational with the, sort of the support staff that they need uh, towards the beginning of next year, and then all companies in South Africa will have a year to get their houses in order. Is um, that is that not afterwards?
0: In. So one after the twenty months then they still have a year two No, I've I've put the year built the year into my oh, into so your estimate.
1: Oh okay. As of today, <laughs> twenty months, then oh. they can start finding people tick TikTok. Yeah. tick may yeah. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, just, just to b- quickly bring the GDPR in, um, that piece of legislation, which is a European piece of legislation, yeah. is of course, uh, has been enforced since the 25th of May. Everybody would have seen an a, a, a exponential increase in lawyers emailing you with new privacy notices mm. and cuck like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think one of the things that irritates me the most at the moment is the just staggering amount of bad advice out there about, you know, when a South African company has to worry about the GDPR. Huh. Um
0: that's, that, yeah. that's interesting because it seems like um, when you say that, it seems like a pattern um, because remember before the regulator was even appointed for um, the Protection of Pers- um, mm. Personal Information Act, um, there was consultants and lawyers going out and starting training courses yeah. and putting the fear of God into organizations. <laughs> What yeah. so so do you, <laughs> like, like like and and I, I think that people suffer from that and I think it's 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 a dangerous thing to do. So yeah,
1: I I mean, look, it's uh, well, it's probably no no news to you, but I mean, I I have a very strong dislike of lawyers. I'm a recovering lawyer <laughs> myself, um, and one of the reasons is every now and again you get these new things or new things to them at least coming coming in, and then all of a sudden everybody's an expert. Yes. Um, we have been doing privacy law for probably, yeah, you know, between 12 and 15 years, depending on sure. who in my company you talk to. And, um, you know, we're very irritated by people who, who now come in and pretend to be experts in poppy mm. or the GDPR because it's a very specialized field and, and you can make mistakes fairly easily. And, and you know, we're seeing a lot of that. Um, And there are a lot of sort of myths being created around this. So my advice always to people is just be very careful. You know, there are those of us that have been around for a very long time um, who has been doing, we have been doing privacy law for for a long time. And there are quite a few companies that are really good, Mm. Um, but be careful of, um, of the lawyers out there. (laughs) <laughs> you're yeah. pretend to be poppy experts
0: yes and uh, you know what the thing is, is I, what i've also noticed is when that information is miscommunicated from the top all the way through the organization mm. it starts impacting on how people deliver their kpis yeah. and how people want to do their jobs because i'm i i remember mm. once being in a in a in a meeting and they didn't want to do anything um, in order to drive a promotion because they were, they were paralyzed. Yeah. Completely (laughs) paralyzed. So I've been laughing about, you know, all of these, all of these emails, everybody's been sending to get people to
1: opt in to direct marketing for the GDPR. So this is by no means a South African problem in the first place. You are over complying when you do that Mm. 90% of the time. Um, and we've seen the same thing with poppy. People are preemptively over complying, and and because they're taking advice from lawyers who don't necessarily know the first thing about digital marketing, um, yes. they're also unnecessarily losing ninety percent of their list. Mm. You know, which is and a, it was,
0: thing, is a huge, huge problem. problem yeah, yeah. But that was actually so, one of my questions. It's like, what happens now with, with all this data that you've done, you you've collected over the years, and now all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, like you can still keep it, right?
1: Yeah. Um, look, so we we follow what, what what we call a risk-based approach. Yeah. Um, so some of our advice is uh, flying slightly close to the wind or sailing close to the wind um, is the <laughs> expression I think, or fighting <laughs> against the thunder. Um, I believe in pragmatism yes. above everything else. Yes. Yes. You know, no piece of legislation has actually ever disrupted business in South Africa. And I don't think Poppy's going to do that either, mm. unless you are buying or selling information on a massive scale. If, you're, if you work for a company that sells leads or data for a living, yeah. you're right to, to feel a little bit panicky. Mm. Um, and you have some work that you need to do post haste, but mm. for for ninety nine percent of businesses in South Africa, I I firmly believe it's it's an, a smallish adjustment in how we do things, not necessarily what we do. Yeah. Um, and and so if we if we talk about so the biggest thing, obviously, um, on every, pretty much everybody's mind about poppy is direct marketing, mm. right? So, um, will we be able to continue to send our newsletter to our base? Yes. And I would say. About 90% of the time, my advice to companies is just make sure you have a solid unsubscribe. Um, make sure you, you you put a good consent in going forward. But with your existing base, if you have a solid unsubscribe and your content is good and you're not sending it too regularly, you know, all of that marketing, good content
0: bad. marketing principles. Yes. <laughs> if you do that, no one's going to complain. Yeah. No, totally. And, and, you know, if they opt out, then respect that and, and, and have your systems in place that yeah, you go they, and communicate to them. A question. And also, it's worth saying that, you know, this
1: regulator herself has said that they're not going to have capacity to go after every single direct marketing complaint and they're getting thousands per month. Mm. They're not going to have a call center for the first four years. So just, you know, get your house in order and follow sort of ethical practices and you'll, you'll be fine.
0: Quick question. So, the Direct Marketing Association, they have a um, do not contact list that you can um, register on, so yes. that um, companies can dedupe against that to make sure that they don't contact you. Um, yes. Is there a broader scale of that for consumers in order for them to, to opt out of all of these call centers calling them and what, what, what?
1: so the direct marketing associations do not contact list uh, is something that was fu- funded by the industry and, and it's been around for for quite a long time there is no legal obligation at the moment for marketers to, unless they're members of the of, of the association to check against that list um, the Consumer protection act was supposed to to create an official um, do not contact list, but um, they haven't they haven't gotten around to that yet, so, okay. so for the moment we, we just have that. So if that's going to happen, it's probably going to happen in terms of in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, not so much poppy.
0: Yeah, and a very interesting, uh,
1: mm.
0: a, a question that I I have from, from my perspective and I'm deviating a bit is, you That's know, fine. when you work with, with data scientists and, and, and data analysts and so forth, you know, when you give yeah. your data to them and then they enrich your data, um, they also do analysis on it. And sometimes some companies like, for example, the financial um, companies acquire data where they buy these data lists. How, how does these things um, impact yeah. the way that you're going to do marketing going forward?
1: yeah so profiling and data enrichment is probably one of the most complicated things when you when you start when you start thinking in terms of data protection um, so there are various stages in which you have to think about it and the first the first question that you have to ask yourself is am I am I getting this data in a lawful way mm. so if you are buying the data does the person know that that their data is being bought and sold and our regulator in a in a meeting the other day that I attended was very very clear about it is that mm. you are not allowed to sell identifiable personal information without the person's consent and I don't know many people who will consent hmm. um, So what you see in Europe is so they incentivize people. They say, well, we want to sell your data. We'll give you 10 euros every time we sell it. And some people then decide to sign up for that kind of thing. But most people won't take kindly to their personal information being sold. Um, Facebook is a good example of that. So Uh, so that's that's always (laughs) the first issue with, with data enrichment is, am I getting it in a legal way? Particularly when you're not getting it from me directly. And then the second thing is, once you once you legally have it, are you sure it's of a good quality? Mm. And then shit gets real <laughs> when you use that data to uh, to make decisions about people. So you you refer to the financial services guys. What they tend to do is make really life changing decisions, right mm. so do I give you credit or not? and if yes. you make that decision based on on bad data, you can get into a significant amount of trouble uh, oh. with the information regulator because you are you're messing with people's lives and and what is interesting is you know even with marketing yeah the, and you when you, when you do sort of automated decision-making based on your data, you can, if you do it incorrectly, you can discriminate against people. So some people mm. will see the marketing and some people won't. But that can perpetuate all kinds of, you know, you know evil things like, you know, discrimination based on age or race or yeah, where you live. That's
0: interesting.
1: Or, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I find
0: it interesting, but I'm not normal, so… <laughs> Well, <laughs> that makes us two in parts. Oh my goodness! But listen, let me t- let me tell you one thing. Um, we had somebody, um, Alfred Adrian, the other day on the show. He's a comedian, but now, um, he also comes out of marketing backgrounds. We had a very interesting conversation, and you know, the most important thing that I've noticed is like what what marketers or organisations do is they spend all this money on on um, research and data science and segmenting their customers mm. and understanding who they are. And then they just put them back in the box. And the whole thing is, is you need to start being more smarter with your data and actually understand yeah. the behaviors behind it rather than just putting people in boxes, you know, you know, you, and especially like yeah. some brands target according to, to race and all those kind of things. So I can, I clearly get what you're saying. Yeah, um, well, I think, I, I mean, and that's what this kind of legislation is supposed to do is to go, okay, well, if you want to do profiling, Cool. Do it,
1: but do it right. Yes. So that those guys who are kind of playing around with the data, not really doing something with it, the risk will make it not worth a while. You know? so, so the serious players will stay and the guys who were, who were high risk and they were just kind of playing around, they, they're probably going to you know, either get serious or, or stop doing it.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. Tell me. What, what are the myths of puppy? Because I think many, many people have so many different perspe- perspectives um, of what is right and what is wrong. Maybe can you de- debunk You're those You've been very generous. I mean, <laughs> many people
1: just say things that are flat out wrong. <laughs> um, so I, I would like to start, start with the most popular myth at the moment, which actually re- relates to the GDPR. Yeah. Right. So there's this thing it's just driving me batshit crazy where people think well if i have the information of a european citizen yeah then the gdpr applies to me and that's absolute horse manure (laughs) of the highest order like you will not find the word citizen in the gdpr the gdpr will apply to a south african company in very very limited cases and it's mostly for those south african companies who either have a representative in the EU or they target Europeans specifically. So what the the EU regulators look at is, do you make reference to Europeans in your marketing? Do you have your website in a language other than English, so Spanish or German or whatever? do you have a strategy to sell to people in Europe that, you know, and then for marketing, you know, they, they're going to look at, do you track the behavior or monitor the behavior of individuals while they are in Europe? Those are the tests. And um, we have a little picture of it somewhere on our website. You know, it's, it's got sweet buggle to do with whether you have Europe, the data yeah. of a European because we all do. So then then the, the GDPR would apply to everybody in the whole wide world and that's just not what was intended. So that's that's my favorite myth at the moment. <laughs> my second by a hair is that you need consent in order to process personal information. That's also just flat out wrong. Hmm. 99, 99% of processing that you do on a daily basis as a business, you will not need consent for because the person asked you to do it, yeah. right? So if I buy something on Take-A-Lot or whatever yeah. and I give them my physical address, yeah. I know that they're going to use it to deliver my package. I asked them, you know, so don't ask for my consent because I can't say no. If I want my Lego, you have to use my information. Correct. So 99% of the times so you're going to do stuff with personal information because there's a contract between you and the consumer. Or because it's a legislation that tells you that you have to do it. And in any event, asking consent when people can't say no and still have access to your product or your service is, is illegal in itself. Sure. Because it's not voluntary. So that's, that's like, that's my, my all time sort of my, my favorite poppy thing that I'm seeing is that people somehow are getting advice that they need to ask consent to process my personal information. It's not even valid. So yeah.
0: fuck, it's not, you're wasting paper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because some of them and, are and double it, opt-ins, right? Some people are asking yeah. for double opt-ins. I mean, like that's even taking it to the worst extreme. Oh, I, yeah. and
1: I, I mean, you know, like we do a lot of usability testing on, on legal documents. So we actually ask people, like, how do, how do you feel when you see a consent like that? And most people, because they know they can't say no, they think that you're going to do something dodgy.
0: Ah. With it.
1: They immediately think, huh, what are you planning to do with my data? Exactly. Yeah. So, the only time Poppy actually requires consent is if you want to send a person direct marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if, you, if you're if buying and selling data, that's another, I think, fairly clear, fairly clear time, which, you know, at some point, someone needs to ask for my consent. But for the rest, it's generally justifiable in some other way. Yeah. yeah.
0: Very interesting. And, and you know what, I think it's uh, it's so important to, to have these kind of discussions because, I mean, um, maybe some industries, I don't know, maybe you can highlight it for me, but uh, like if uh, FSP regulated um, clients like in the financial sector, do they, do they have different set of rules?
1: Yeah, so there are some sort of most, or many indus- regulated industries have some rules about Data management, so you're right to point out FSPs, for instance, have a duty of confidentiality, so do doctors. But that is like a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of what data protection is all about. So mm. generally speaking, in any event, Poppy will trump all of that legislation. If, if Poppy is stronger, the protection in Poppy is stronger than that legislation, then Poppy applies. Um, in most instances, just both pieces of legislation will apply. Um, the high-risk industries or the people who I think are justifiably worried are, I think, insurance. I mean, those guys are, are, are a little bit scared mm. of poppy because they buy and sell data. <laughs> yeah, um, That's And micro-lenders and, and, you know, so financial services is very, very high on the regulator's agenda. In fact, she, she said so on multiple occasions. And about 85% of the complaints that they are currently receiving uh, comes from banks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, Banks that's interesting.
0: I, I would I would agree with that. And you know what annoys me is, is like, you know, um the systems even are not integrated that some people will call sure. you again and again and again and again yeah. from the same company and after you told them to remove you from the list. Very yeah. crazy. But listen, we're gonna go for a quick ad break and then when cool. we get back, maybe we can talk about real scenarios of like campaigns and, and so forth and, and have a brainstorm around that. Sure. Cool good morning everybody welcome back to the witty chatterbot show we are um having a lovely chat with elizabeth stadler who is talking to us about puppy and the gdpr and we're just um debunking some of the myths in case you've missed it you can um, then later just download um the podcast in order to 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 hear everything that we had to say but um elizabeth welcome back and um I just wanted—I want us to unpack like some of the typical like campaigns that we as marketers would do, and <clears throat> and see how that fits within Poppy. So the first thing is is like okay, right? So uh, the the rule is a uh, of thumb is that you need to to always give um, consumers the option to opt out when you are communicating with them. Should they not want to engage with you? And there's many cases sometimes where people make it very difficult for consumers to opt out. For example, mm. click, click on this link and we know that people don't have access to data. Um, it's, it, you know, people don't always have that because I think uh, 80, 80% of our market is on prepaid 60 or 70%. I can't remember the, the stat. Yeah. So
1: ha, 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 ha,
0: what is your views on that? And what's the rule behind that? Yeah. So, you know, if,
1: For the unsubscribes, there's there's never really been a a sort of a solid rule. There's some rules in the Consumer Protection Act and there's some rules in the WASPA, which is the Wireless Application Service Providers Association. And, And generally, best practice is that it should be without sort of undue formality is what the word that they, the the phrase that they use so my my rule is always that your opt out must be on the same channel so if i'm sending you an sms not cool to put a url in the sms that i must now click on yes. in order to go unsubscribe you have to you know spend the money buy the short code so that i can just sms stop same goes for email mhm um telemarketing is obviously easy because you know Yes. I'll just say, fuck off, and you must interpret that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, same channel. Um, and what you're saying about, you know, the data, that's true. i uh, not really sure how, how we, we will ever get around that. Um, but in general, just this. So, you, you need to allow people to respond to you on the same sort of channels, and, and, and then you need to process those unsubscribes. Many, many, many complaints are, are, happen because – People don't
0: actually adhere to the unsubscribe or listen to the consumer. It's just bad form, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because they they know that they need to put it there. But then when people opt out, I think there's a a company that I opted in once, I think, like, I think five years ago. And I think I've asked them to opt out like 10 times already and they keep on smsing mm. me on their sales and stuff and i'm like stop it like i've had enough but yeah um, it, it really gets annoying you know um and i think you actually do more brand damage than anything else but also I when mean, you're cruising for a bit of a bruising because that's that's what
1: people <laughs> complain about and then the, then you're going to be on the regulator's radar and it's difficult to get off it once you're on it and she doesn't have to stick to just that complaint then she'll look at everything
0: yeah, then you you've know. got a problem.
1: They're going to come knock on your door and they're going to ask to see your database. And they're going to ask you where you got the details in the first place. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is to fix your unsubscribe process.
0: Yes, very important. And and, and also just um an idea for the audience is one thing that's very cool to do is you – it's a very cool um suggestion that you have. Um, to have mm. a short code, you get now the reverse build short codes. that doesn't yeah. cost the consumer any money. So <laughs> oh, out. because we, I remember with the CPA, we went, Who, who's going to complain about one rand fifty?
1: Wow! Wow! Well, <laughs> well. it's, it's a testimony to how how people how much people hate spam. So you know they do complain.
0: Yeah, because and also I have to be honest, we as marketers. Um, really do exploit consumers um you know i think uh, like if we look at sms marketing i mean you see we killed that thing and i think financial services was was the the biggest um culprit in in that regard but i think um you know we have to respect people's privacy and um you know enough is enough and if i say no they know is no and yeah opt out and get it over and done with yep okay that's you know we should have a hashtag for that yeah (laughs) <laughs> let's start the movement um no no <laughs> don't touch my data um yeah exactly so the the other thing I, let's take a competition so now i have a promotion and mm-hmm. i am driving um, a call to action so therefore you need to enter this competition tell me a little bit about yourself and yeah. in order for you to enter this competition, you you need to provide me with a copy of your tool slip. What 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 what? Now, yes. first of first question is: Do I need to opt in as a consumer in order to enter the competition? Yeah, so
1: just entering the competition will be consent, right? So so Poppy recognizes implicit consent. Um, yeah. So you don't have to ask a person: Do they do you consent to to me using your data for the competition? Because you know I sent it. Yes. I, I sent you. You know my my information for that very purpose, and you'll just look stupid asking. Um, the problem with competitions <laughs> is that we all know that competition the, the competition is rarely about the competition. Yes, um, competitions these days are about the data. So right. it's about the stuff that I'm going to do with the data outside of the competition. So right. if you, for instance, planning on opting all of the people who enter into your your newsletter, or you're planning to do some other form of data mining or selling the data, which happens quite often. Yeah. Then 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 you're gonna have to be very, very transparent about it. You're gonna have to tell people, you know, you think you're entering into a competition but actually we're gonna do this list of ten things with your data. And for some of those you might actually need consent. So if you are uh, you know, explicit consent. So if you're gonna use it for direct marketing or you're gonna share it with other companies or whatever the case may be. I've actually encountered this and I mean this is this is one of the most sort of exploitative I think practices that I've encountered in a long time is children who attend open days for colleges and stuff, and they get asked to sign up for a competition. But then, in fact, what the organizers are doing is they're selling the data to the (gasps) educational institutions. Yeah, so that's just dodgy, I think, which is, you know, a legal term.
0: But, you know, it's so easy. I mean, like, the scary thing is, is like, we as marketers, and, and, I mean, I've worked with data science in the past and and so forth. It's so Mm -hmm. easy just to say, Um, You know, can you extract out of your database for me people that have just purchased their home? Yeah, it's so easy to do, and you can have over thirty fields on this person. Easy, easy. Yeah, and and this is the scary thing is, is like what I think from a consumer perspective. If we look at what's happening, um, you know, with Cambridge Analytica, um, even the other, uh, I think last year sometime there was a realist fifty uh, million st- South Africans' yes. ID
1: numbers are yes. online,
0: including my three-year-old daughter. <gasps>
1: yes, no way. And that's stuff's being bought and sold daily, hey? That's why I laughed so hard last week when I got an email from one of the FSCs that I have an RA with, and, and they've, they've done, gone through the trouble to secure my, uh, my statement with a password, except it's my freaking ID number. No South African has, this, this, you know, your ID number is online. Um, yes. And that was the result of, of a, a company thinking they're going to be clever and create this master sort of list of South Africans who might want property. And then put it on a server. that was open. <laughs>
0: yeah, and isn't I'm sure that that's what happened with Liberty as well. And you know when when companies have so much. Well, information, no, Liberty.
1: Liberty had something happen to them that 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 happens quite easily. I mean, there's someone someone hacked the email. So there is the problem is what's called unstructured data, so stuff that was sent or uh, received via email. So that was probably probably someone got fished. Um, sure. Yeah. So Liberty. I mean, I think they're getting. Quite a, you know, thrashing for something that you know it It happens happens. at most companies yeah Yeah.
0: i mean like i mean i I mean there's so many episodes like if you uh not episodes just um, shows that you can watch on netflix about these hackers and how 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 easy things are for them Um, like i think sony sony also had a big thing um but i mean the important thing is is also you know when you when you as a consumer and i keep on flipping between the marketer and the consumer but from Mm. a consumer perspective is when i give you a lot of personal like you know my blood type. you know my medical history. You know, do I own a house? My ID. You know everything about my whole um, decision tree, and my, all of that mm. information needs to be protected to to the biggest extreme. Um, the more you yeah. have on me, so
1: and I mean, never mind that you're not allowed to ask for stuff that you're not actually going to use. So. You know, this morning I was sitting at a restaurant um, and I wanted to make use of their free Wi-Fi. Except Wi-Fi isn't really free, right? So I have to fill in my contact details. I I'm going, well, I don't want you to contact me. So why are you asking me for my contact and my age and my gender? Like, what? No. Why? And then I get a message that says, don't worry, we won't sell it. I'm like, yeah, okay, but what are you actually going to do? What's my gender got to do with free Wi-Fi? So... You know, and that's what we're saying about the competitions is often we, we, we collect much more than what we need to actually run the competition. And then the question is, you know, that's the difference that Poppy's going to make. Because so you in the future going to have to tell people what do you, what you plan to do? And yeah. you, you can't just ask for information just for the sake of having it.
0: Yeah, and trust is this, the currency of the twenty first century. So um, yeah, that is yeah. a very important thing that if you want to be around and and, and you can't exploit um, customers. Like you ha- and, and I like that. It's going to be very hard for marketers. I'm not going to lie. You, it's not going to well, be easy. I don't know,
1: like
0: uh, you know, here's
1: here's the thing. It's just some of the things that we've been doing. We we know that we as marketers, that, 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 that you know that it's not exactly ethical. So mm. all this does is reinforces ethical behavior. Now, if you a marketer i'm not I'm not that um, you know I'm, I'm not that sorry that you're going to be cut yep. down a little bit Yeah no, but absolutely. for the the guys out there who are behaving responsibly, and I think that that's marketing that yields better results anyway uh, you know i will I will go to bat for them every day of the week mm. uh, and there are many of them so mm. we know when we're doing stuff that's slightly icky and it's yeah. because we all we all have personal information so just think if someone was doing that to your with your personal information would you be comfortable
0: yeah no absolutely and, and you know i think i think that is exactly how you need to look and, and, I, and i also i think like when you're sitting around the boardroom um table and you're making these big decisions i think it's important to always remember that you're a customer first and then you work for a corporate or for mm. a, an environment because um you know um i was watching something on kindly on um festival and they were talking about like um something completely different which was about gender equality. Mm. And they say like, you know, men need to be reprogrammed on how to view women in the workplace because yeah. there's these stigma and stereotypes happening. And the one thing this woman said which really resonated with me, if you really want to get your point across, you talk about their children. Because yeah. The moment you start talking about their children, how would your children like to see you um, or your your daughters like to see you, you know, handle this? And the same thing mm-hmm. is with data. It's like how you said your three-year-old's um, data was online. Like, how would you feel if, if the, this data is being exploited? Yeah, and I mean, most people have a built-in, you know, this built-in alarm system when it comes to
1: dodgy, you know, things with data. Uh, and we like we, we like using that in training quite often. It's, okay, well, you've just told me that you do this thing. Well, how would you feel if someone did that to you?
0: Mm, no, love it. Anyway, yeah. let's quickly mm. get into the GDPR. So now we understand yeah. pop, a poppy and we know what it's all about and, and where we're at. But how mm. does it compare with GDPR?
1: So poppy was actually based on on the predecessor of, of the GDPR, so the Data Protection Directive, which Europe had flipped. For a couple of decades, yeah, <laughs> um, and and the GDPR is is actually still fairly consistent with that with that directive. It just add, it adds a lot of things. So so if you are, I often get asked the question, or do I need separate projects? Let's let's assume that it does apply to the GDPR. Do I need separate compliance projects for Poppy and the GDPR? And the answer is no, not really. Um, if you are poppy compliant you'll be a long way towards gdpr compliant there's mm-hmm. some things that you need to add and and most of those those things are stuff that that we would have recommended you do anyway to comply with poppy so a good example is uh one of the standard things that we we make businesses do is to build in sort of a, 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 a it's called a privacy impact assessment into whenever they decide to do something or not you know new products or processes that's become a requirement in of in terms of the GDPR. So that's a really good example. Um, But for the most part, they're really consistent. Um, So if you, you know, a lot of businesses in South Africa have decided sort of voluntarily to become GDPR compliant. Maybe they have European partners or European customers, uh, and that's the reason. Or maybe, you know, businesses in the marketing industry that that do uh, analytics, for instance, on behalf of a company wherever they are in the world, many of them have decided to proactively become GDPR compliant and that takes them quite a far way into poppy compliance anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they,
0: they are very consistent. Interesting. Well, Hmm. this means we have to come to an end to the show because we're almost done. I would speak to you the whole day if I could, (laughs) but now we have a little tradition. So we play a one minute game and ask you 10 questions and see how quickly you can answer them. So, Okay. on your marks get set go what social stigma does society need to get over quickly Keep it uh, <laughs> okay old people don't know okay. things <laughs> okay what makes you roll your eyes every time you hear it well the, every time a lawyer opens their mouth really okay <laughs> who has a zero filter between their brain and mouth I've got an answer for that me, me? <laughs> What is it, your cure for hiccups?
1: How, how, when last did you see a white horse? I think?
0: <laughs> how do you judge a person?
1: By the cover.
0: Okay. When was the last time you were snooping and found something you wish you hadn't? Oh, no. Just now. Okay. What problem are you currently grappling yeah. with? Uh Crap. Uh, I don't know. Okay, do you eat food that? Okay, do you eat food that passes its expiration date if it still smells and looks fine? Yes, I'm a mother. I don't have time for
1: expiration dates.
0: <laughs> okay, you got a good one. You got eight out of ten. That is incredible. But I'm still going to ask you the last two questions. What tips yeah. or tricks have you picked up from your job?
1: Flipper, just speak to people in language they understand. I love that. I think it's the most important one.
0: And, and you know
1: what's hilarious?
0: Because <laughs> the next question is what languages do you wish you could speak? Flip. Um, I don't know.
1: German. Because it sounds so, you know, whatever you say in German, it sounds hectic.
0: <laughs> I know. And Arabic is just as bad. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. very intimidating. Yeah. Armenian. <whistles> Armenian is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Thank you so much for, for joining us today, Elizabeth, and for, for taking the time to out of your busy schedule to share the information. How can people get hold of you um, if they wish to go on your training courses or um, get some advice from you? Um, you know, go play around on our website. There's a lot of shit that's free there. So, for instance, if you want to know where the, G-
1: the GDPR applies to you, so that's uh, Novation Consulting. That's www.novcon.co.za. Okay. Um, or otherwise, you know, you'll know, find also our email addresses and cell phone numbers. Just pick up the phone and give us give us a call. F- yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, from our side, we would like to thank Brand Life Radio for the innovative container studio and for making the show possible and listen to our shows on www.brandlife.co.za. Um, You can also find our shows on either CastBox, iTunes or Google Play by searching for Booyah by Carmen Murray. Please rate our show to help others find it. And thank you to Gold Studios who manages our shows on iTunes, CastBox and Google Play. So don't forget to tune in next week. Same time, same place. Arrivederci. Ciao.